episode 115, Eradicate Chronic Pain with Grip Approach. I'm your host, Dr. Justin Trosclair, and today, with Dr. Benjamin Fergus' perspective. Join 2017 and 2018 Podcast Awards-nominated host as we get a behind-the-curtain look at all types of doctors and guest specialties. Let's hear a doctor's perspective. By the time this episode comes out, it should be a happy St. Patrick's Day. It was recorded on Valentine's Day. Dr. Benjamin just had a kid, so he had his uh, paternity leave, and he said, hey, let's do this interview. And I said, all right, let's do it. Grip Approach is something that I took note of back at Forward KC. That was episode 79, I believe. It really got me thinking. It's for like complex pain cases, uh, also athletes. And we're going to discuss like, how do you get rid of like the subjective pain that chronic pain patients have and going into something more like global exercises and movement patterns, you know, being that it's, it's chiropractic based, you know, it's not just manipulate the joint, manipulate the spine. There's all this, you know, some soft tissue work involved, a very specific style and very specific in exam protocol that you can do for each area of the body It's very involved. And so we're going to break it down so that we can understand what is it, why would we do it, how long does the treatment last for a patient, you know, logistics matter too. But Dr. Benjamin Fergus is the creator of Grip Approach. He's got a big following in Japan as well. It has its roots in some McKinsey, SFMA, or in DNS type systems. I just want to take a second and say thank you to those who have given reviews on the podcast. I'm always looking forward to reading those. We don't have that many. So that's a goal now. I need to try to get more reviews. And if you didn't know, it's based on the country you live in. I thought that was interesting. Also, big thanks to those people that listen to me out in Romania, Taiwan, China, Saudi Arabia, Poland. If you're listening still, hello and thank you. All right, let's jump into this one. All the journals can be found at a doctor's perspective slash 115. Let's go. Hashtag behind the curtain. Live from China and North Chicago, Today on the show, we have got a guy that has actually created a whole technique of thinking and rehab, which to me is out of control because that's just not my forte at all. But this guy was able to do it. And not only is he doing it, he teaches it like 30 times a year internationally. It's been translated into seven languages. It's called the Global Rehabilitation and Injury Prevention Approach, a.k.a. GRIP Approach. Dr. Benjamin Fergus, thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks for having me. Great introduction. Oh, man. Well, you know, I met you in Ford KC. I heard a little bit. We were trying a couple things. I actually became one of the dummies up there. That's right. Intrascapula. Yeah. yeah. And it ended up being come on okay. And I was like, oh, that's fantastic. I guess my self-prescribed rehab is doing something because I definitely had hurt my shoulder. And because my wife's like, you sure it hurts again? I was like, yes, I'm going to just stop talking about it. <laughs> I don't want her to get mad at me. Like, stop hurting yourself. But uh, sure. anyway, one of the things I read about is what you're focusing on is like chronic persistent pain, stuff that just hasn't gotten better for like either athletes or just, you know, normal people. And uh, the last resort type of patients who are like, man, I'm, I'm, I don't want surgery, but there's really not much else I can do. I also put down that you have some influences like the dynamic neuromuscular stabilization She's gotten really a lot of press to me on on the forward Facebook page, and then uh, yeah. Fascia, Chateau Butler, Michaud, and Shacklock. All that stuff yeah, is based on. Time. 
I cut you. I cut your legs out just now when you're explaining the grip approach a little bit, maybe. But if you know those <laughs> names, okay. you should be like, okay, audience, I know what's kind of what it's going to be about. Yeah, that's if, if you're juggling all those different viewpoints, uh, when they all settle in one spot, you got grip approach. So give us a little rundown. What does that kind of look like? How did you get so involved to, to create something like this? Yeah, so I essentially I, I jumped into the process uh, with a problem I wanted to solve. Two problems actually. Uh, one, the cases that really interested me were the ones where you you know you're going into the trenches and you're picking up somebody who's failed and failed and failed at getting better and saying let's find a way to to get you out and get you better. So that was the first thing is I wanted to tackle the nasty cases that nobody wants to touch, and there wasn't. Uh, essentially a great system available to tackle those cases, at least in my perspective. There's a lot of different things uh, in terms of what you need to do nutritionally with chronic and complex cases, uh, you know, being able to add some lean muscle mass and get people moving again. These were concepts that were sort of known in chronic and complex pain cases. But really what it came down to, at least at the time that I started, was here's a handful of things that you can try one after another with these cases. And that's still a lot of trial and error. It wasn't saying this this is a unique presentation and here's how you structure your evaluation, your rehab process, and here's what you can expect for a prognosis and discharge. Nobody's talking about discharging chronic and complex failed cases at this point. Um, but we try to. We try to look at these cases and say, here's a structure that lets us understand it so that we we know what the prognosis is and that we can actually discharge these patients and get them living their lives again. Um, so that was the first problem. What, how do we do it? How do we find a structure that works with that population? Uh, the second problem is I, as I was seeking something that worked with chronic and complex cases, I amassed a lot of education, both uh, from books and seminars and uh, late night conversations at the bar after a course. I had a lot of ideas that uh, I wanted to apply. I wanted to see if they worked, but nothing was sticking to a central system of rehabilitation. And so Grip Approach is is trying to attack those two problems. It's taking all of the amazing resources that we have right now for rehab and saying, what's the central idea that can unite all of these and help you decide when to use one, uh, one technique versus another? And how do we apply it specifically for the population of chronic and complex pain or chronic and complex disease? Um, but we stumbled upon something kind of cool along the way in that the evaluation system that we use in chronic and complex cases had a lot of crossover with the athletic population. And it turns out that athletic humans and non-athletic humans in chronic pain have some movements that they both have to do. They both need some of the same base parts. And so that opened this really cool, exciting opportunity for me to take our system and demonstrate its uh, use in the athletic population. Uh, we're now utilized with collegiate, professional, and Olympic teams across the world, and it's it's just been a really exciting addition to our main mission, which is eradicating chronic pain in Chicago and then globally. Wow. So I got two follow-ups on this one. Global, is that like saying you should be able to squat? You should be able to bring your arms overhead in a normal person? Like, what does that look like? 
Uh, well, those those are good examples. Those global means a full body perspective. So a squat and overhead movement, those would definitely be full body movements. Um, but really, it's coming back at the tunnel vision approaches of saying you've got a knee problem. Here, let's load this direction ten times. Uh, for a set six times a day right here at this one joint that you say is an ouchie. That's a really focused tunnel view approach. In grip, we'd, we'd look at the same knee problem and we'd assess it and we'd classify it and say, what natural human movement involving the whole body can we use for your exercise to rehab it? And in that way, it's a more natural rehab process because it uses the movements we're all you know developed with. But the integration and the step back into normal activity is so much faster because you're not doing a weird rehab exercise for an isolated joint. You're you're teaching the body how to use all of its parts in each range of motion and each plane of motion uh, together again. Okay. That's the global part. So the lunge would incorporate the whole spine and the butt muscles and the leg muscles versus just the TheraBand and doing some leg extensions. Inflections. That's yeah. That's okay. that's right. We want we want to get some periphery in our approach. Okay. And from my own curiosity, you had this a thing. You it started developing. Did you have to like market it to these colleges, or they, it just sort of naturally approached? And then when you when you said you had something, I mean, you just started like one seminar, and you're like, well, I've had some people make comments about they'd like <laughs> to learn this. I guess I'll put on a seminar, and then boom, 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 like thirty yeah. seminars. That's a lot for like activator impulse adjusting you know i can see that but then like a rehab system you're like this is new and now i'm all over sure it you know it is a lot but i would come come back with you and say we're still a very a new organization Mm -hmm. and that's that's 30 courses a year spread out throughout the entire globe that's not 30 chicago courses or 30 u.s courses that's a couple classes here and there Mm -hmm. for a few handfuls of people so i'd say we're still really young and our, our following is small, and we don't have a giant body of research uh, that looks at our technique in isolation. We just have the research that we based the approach and the technique on. Um, so we're, we're, a, we're a fingerling seminar company right now. We're, we're small. Uh, but in terms of marketing, I'm not a marketing pro. Uh, what we do is try to get the idea out there. Mm-hmm. And uh, I really like what Elon Musk has done with his Tesla company. He said, I've got a way that an electric motor will work. I'm going to perfect it, make a sales model that works. And then my goal is to release my plans to all the other automakers so they can also move us forward on this mission. With Group Approach with my clinic, we have a clear mission. We want to eradicate chronic pain in Chicago and then globally. And what I'm saying is once we perfected that system in our office, I now have to get it out there. If it was realistic to just get it out there for free, we would do that. But ultimately, when we got to fly into a, a country and, and put on a course, there's some fees involved with it. Uh, but my big thing is is not necessarily to to market and be the the next uh, you-know-what of rehab. Mm-hmm. Our goal is to get more and more people wanting to conquer chronic pain rather than just maintaining a patient that has chronic pain and we want to give them the tools to do that so in terms of marketing we were fortunate enough to have a lot of attendees of our first few courses here in chicago i think a lot of my local colleagues had some curiosity with what i was doing because it was different and they they just wanted to peek under the hood and see what was going on 
And for a few of them, it really caught on. And they shared that with their friends and colleagues. And we've just sort of organically grown from that point. Um, but it, we really kind of blew up the first time we presented in Tokyo, Japan. Uh, my associate instructor and host in Japan, uh, Kazu, he is a, a pretty big name in sports medicine in Japan. And he hosted our first course after you know meeting me here in the U.S., and invited a lot of his friends, which were kind of the, the who's who of Japan. And we had a really great weekend seminar. We chatted a lot. We, we hung out a lot after the course. And I think what we were doing with rehab resonated really well with the population there, uh, at least in my own perspective of, of great Japanese companies. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're really good at taking uh, a complicated idea, breaking apart simplifying it and making it better and making it streamlined. And that resonates with me. I feel like that's what we did with grip. We took a lot of really great rehab approaches and we took it apart. We put it back together in a cleaner way, made it simple, made it streamlined and made it effective. So I think that resonated and we, we took off there in Japan. So I want to definitely ask you questions about like more about what the grip is. Cause if people listening, they're like, get to what it is. I don't want to know. But, um, <laughs> sure, sure. but before we jump more into that, you know, I just put a post out there today and got some good responses on Facebook about, you know, if I had to take one class, you know, if I'm a doctor who's like, I, I can only afford one class a year or I'm just not that guy who wants to spend five weekends a year becoming certified in the next whatever. Or would this approach be a, an appropriate seminar to where you're like, I didn't have to take the McKinsey and the DNS and all these other seminars mm-hmm. all at the same, you know, in progression. I can just take this and have a good foundation Sure. Uh, well, you know, this is going to be a biased opinion because I, you know, I'm the one that put the course together. Right. But I'll I'll tell you more of how we use it in our office. Um, this is the first real diagnostic window that we examine all of our patients with. So somebody in our office might occasionally get a McKenzie examination once or twice a year. Somebody in our office will likely get a neurodynamic solutions or uh, Michael Shacklock's work. They're probably going to get evaluated anytime they have limb pain with that technique. Somebody in our office might run uh, an athlete through an SFMA test prior to starting a fitness program with us, and then again three months later to mark progress. But the only thing that really happens every single time outside of our standard exam in history is a grip approach exam because it gives us the most clear, actionable data. Every test tells you what kind of rehab to do and what kind of tissue therapy might be effective. And if you really pay attention to the classification system, it's going to tell you exactly what your prognosis is and, and how to structure your whole visit. So in, in my office and in my perspective, yes, this is a framework that you can use as your central rehab approach. Because you're talking, is it a tissue issue? Is it a joint issue? Is it a neurologic issue? Those are your three classifications, right? Those are the big ones, yeah. All right. So let's go and talk about this for a second. I was kind of going through some of your notes that I've seen, and I was like, this is pretty cool. Patients have chronic pain. Two days ago, man, it was like a nine. Today, I finally got into your office. It's only like a four. So you're doing all these tests, and it's frustrating. You're like, this doesn't hurt? No. But did it hurt yesterday? Kind of. You're like, oh, my gosh. Can we just pretend it hurt a lot today? Like, what what's going on with that? And, and does this technique help get rid of that um, variability? Oh man, you're you're singing my song, Doc. Uh, that that's huge. So, 
Uh, we we term all of that subjective variability. Uh, as scientists, you want to reduce variables, right? So when you have a chronic pain case, somebody that failed treatment time and time again, the first thing you got to do is get rid of all the variables and test one or two things at a time. Does that make sense? Yeah. So if subjective data of it's a nine yesterday, it's a four today, it's going to be a six tomorrow. If that's all just a random variable, then it's not going to help us solve the case in my perspective. And so we absolutely need a way to evaluate patients every single time that doesn't require me to ask the pain question doesn't require me to ask how much pain you have. Where is it? What's it look like? What color is it? And is it better on a day that you drive a nice sports car versus a day that you walk in the mud? That's so variable, it just will not lead to long-term success. So yes, our system comes in and says, okay, you came to me with low back pain. I'm going to acknowledge that and give you a low back pain uh, form, an objective assessment for low back pain that you're going to fill out. And you're going to tell me all about that pain. And I'm going to scan it into my file and I'm not going to look at it till your re-exam. And when you come in, I'm just going to ask you three simple questions. One, I'm going to ask you, what things are you having trouble doing? Two, how long have you been having trouble doing that? And three, what have you tried to do so far to overcome that that didn't work? Those are my big three questions. What can't you do? How long have you struggled with it? And what has failed to get you back? And at that point, our first three questions immediately change the conversation away from the woe is me subjective pain to specifically, what do you want your life to look like when we're done with care? What do you want to be able to do again? And if we can successfully change that conversation in the first five minutes of the visit, then we're going to have pretty successful outcomes. So we were joking at the beginning about my shoulder. The quick question is, wait, where are you hurt? Okay, the shoulder. All right, cool. And then what can't you do? And you're like, all right. And then you have these certain motions that you'll put the person through. And you're just looking like, okay, you should be able to, your elbow should be able to stay straight and cross across your chest without like bending or like your your, your shoulder popping right. up. And obviously it doesn't matter about pain or not. Like maybe it's pain that's stopping you from being able to do it. But regardless, I'm looking at that. It's not working. And so I think you have... You evaluate it, and then there's certain rehab that you would do. And then later on, when you check it again, you're like, yeah, see, now it's better. That's what we're looking for. It's actually moving again. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and I, I think I, I wouldn't want people to fall into the trap of this being purely a mechanical approach. Okay. Uh, so the, the big thing that you said that's important is that I asked you to move your arm in a certain way. I wasn't moving it forward for you to see if you had a competent shoulder. I was saying, what does your nervous system think that your body can do? And if there was a joint issue, that joint would communicate with your nervous system that, no, you can't do that today. But maybe there was no joint issue and you have just inhibited that movement based on disuse or former injury. Mm. It's really a brain or neurology-focused approach that looks at the body as a way to communicate how well the nervous system is working. So like someone who's standing on one leg or close your eyes, march in place, and uh, they end up turning 70 degrees that one direction, you're like, what was going on there, buddy? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> your yeah. nerves are not talking to your muscles very good. Right. Well, it's... People think of, you know, a brain living in a body, but it's not really like that. Our, our skin and our joints and our joint capsules and fascia, they're an extension of our nervous system. Our nervous system, especially our peripheral nervous system, that, that stuff's embedded in the physical body. So 
if there's some mechanically something that's not working in a connective tissue of the joints, it's going to screw up the sensory information that the brain gets. So it's one big system. It's body and brain together. But our focus is not just on the anatomy. It's first, what does your brain think about the body? And then if it's not thinking well about the body, then we go in and say, is there actually something wrong with the joint or tissue? Or is it just motor inhibition? Now, are we, Fear avoidance. Are we looking at... Is there going to be some ISTM going on or some pin, what is it, pin and release type style? Are we looking at maybe some uh, floss where you, you know, different approaches that way when we're addressing the tissues or what's your thoughts on that? Well, I, I think you have to, to look at the literature on what we current know, currently know about connective tissue, including muscle and fascia. And, and at least in my current interpretation of that literature, uh, superficial tissue techniques don't lead to long-lasting or permanent deep structural changes, meaning pin and stretch uh, has not been shown to be more effective in layer sliding than compression has. So if I have a, a tissue or a structure that I want to change, I can either pin and stretch or apply compression and have a similar response in the connective tissue. So if I know these superficial scraping techniques and pin and stretching techniques might not have the full physiological effect in the tissue that I'm desiring, then I have to think of them as a, a brain-focused approach as well. I think pin and stretch or whatever three-letter brand name you want to give it, um, I think what it does really well is inhibit the discomfort that a patient feels with movement. Uh, the literature wouldn't support the actual tissue changes mm. that are proposed with that mechanism, but I think it does a phenomenal job at increasing range of motion via reducing pain or sensitivity inhibition by the patient. So when I say we're going to use a targeted structural intervention, it really comes down to two techniques. Let's Let me take that back. Three techniques for us that the majority of the current research supports. One would be the chiropractic adjustment of a restricted joint segment to normalize mechanotransduction at that joint and remove some barrier. Two would be a deep compression with cross friction in a small surface area the size of a, a nickel for two to 10 minutes. This is in line with the fascial manipulation technique proposed by the Steckos and also studied by Vlimid and Schlieb. That intense, deep uh, friction over a small surface area has been shown to change the extracellular matrix on histological side, has been shown to influence uh, elastic changes and propagate normalization of cells in the area. And finally, uh, if that is too sensitive for a patient, we will use some needling techniques in that same area. Uh, uh, she points, or I'm a big fan of Dr. Ma's work uh, out of Colorado, will apply some uh, needle stimulation to the major nerves that lead into the area, as well as locally, we're trying to irritate the cells and create a proliferative effect locally in those tissues. Are we talking dry needling or like acupuncture or... My my background is in both uh, traditional acupuncture and biomedical acupuncture. 
the way I use it is my personal blend of the two, where I will hit a couple big meridian points. If I'm working in the lower extremity, I'm going to hit, you know, stomach 36 and liver three, but then I'm going to go specifically to the structures I want to change. And I'm going to try to get a, a micro injury to drive proliferative changes in the tissues. Mm. Have you ever, so I think of this, I'm like, well, I'm not technically acupuncture certified and I'm not going to spend a year to get it done. <laughs> but, you know, mm-hmm. you got to have that to be able to stab. Sure. Can you use uh, electric acupuncture or cold laser or something like that to stimulate those areas? Or have you looked into that? Uh, that that's a great question. I think the e-stim acupuncture would primarily drive motor control changes, not necessarily proliferative changes in the tissues. Mm-hmm. So if if your diagnosis is overt tissue injury, then I don't feel I can overcome the tissue structural changes with electroacupuncture, but I think I could influence improved motor control in that area. And when you're referring to the second mode, the deep cross friction, are we talking thumbs? Can we use some sort of uh, steel instrument to save that? Yeah, you can can use whatever you want as long as you're being uh, as precise as possible and going over a small surface area. It's like if you want to get to deep, and most of our motor effects are on the deep connective tissue, you know, you're going to get deeper using your pinky than your thumb just based on surface area, right? So uh, I will use my elbow for points. I will use a knuckle for points, my thumbs or fingers, or you could use a blade as well. But the point is to get to the depth of the tissue that you're trying to create proliferative changes in, and then keep your friction there long enough to actually drive that microtrauma and proliferation. Okay. Yeah, I can just think of this. If you haven't bought an instrument, take the seminar of grip, then you'll be like, oh, wow, okay, I'm glad I didn't buy 10 instruments. I only needed this little bitty one. You, you might need one or yeah. two, yeah. I, I would say the what I do in my office is uh, really, from the tissue perspective, it's a mixture of thumb, finger, elbow, and shockwave. So shockwave is a tool, is a, is a thing you can purchase? Yeah. So a shockwave device, uh, it creates a percussive wave or a, an acoustic percussive wave through an applicator tip that has been shown to drive proliferative changes in tissues. It's been heavily studied and is approaching what we would call a gold standard for true plantar fasciitis. Mm. And we've also used it really, uh, really well with uh, frozen shoulder adhesive capsulitis cases and medial and lateral epicondylitis cases. It's great for the densified tissues, um, but it actually works really well applied in the areas uh, that we're uh, assessing with grip approach. Okay. So it would be my one tool outside of my hands that I use. Uh, I personally don't use soft instrument uh, soft tissue instruments just because I like the feel I get from my hands. Okay. Uh, but I will go to shockwave as as needed. So you can tell I'm someone who's uh, I'm a big instrument adjuster as well from way back, and now I do a ton of manual stuff too. But mm-hmm. the longevity, you know, you see these old guys with these thumbs that are permanently bent, you know, eighty degrees the opposite direction. <laughs> You're like, what are you doing? You're like, yeah. I've been doing trigger point work for the last fifteen years, son. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's funny the uh, the first ten or twenty or maybe even a hundred uh, course reviews I got for Grip Approach were comments like "Thank you for saving my thumbs, 
thank you for preventing me from getting the ART thumb that's going to send me into retirement because it's not stressful for your thumbs oh, or good. fingers the way we teach it. We show it in a way that's all about applying perpendicular force to the tissue to get to depth first. And then the movement's small, and you can use a lot of support in the area. So it's actually really easy on the provider compared to a lot of soft tissue techniques. See, this is what I wanted to know because these are those little things like if I'm evaluating a course, I want to know going in. This is good. Yeah. Let's see. Global movement versus eccentric, concentric. Sometimes I get them confused. I'm sure somebody else who's listening to this are like, I don't know, EC, that sounded very similar. What's the yeah. All right, we're at the gym. Let's say we're at the gym. We just we're not worried about grip for now. We just want to know. We know that global knee centric is better than concentric. But um, what are those definitions, real quick, for us? Okay, well, let's keep it simple. You're you're carrying some groceries into your house. Uh, you lift your groceries up out of the car and pull them close to your shoulder. That's concentric or shortening activity of your biceps. Uh, on the opposite side of your arm, it's lengthening or eccentric contraction of your triceps. Then you walk up your steps and you lower those grocery bags back down. You have eccentric or lengthening activity of the biceps and concentric or shortening activity of the triceps. Here's where people uh, get things mixed up a little bit. They always think about the muscle on the front of the limb, essentially. So if I'm lowering my groceries down, I'm doing an eccentric bicep exercise. But in all reality, you're also doing a concentric tricep exercise. But because the tricep is not being resisted in that activity, people don't think much about it. But what we know from some decent studies of reciprocal inhibition is that two sides of a limb have to work in coordination with one another. And if you don't have that happening, we have poor coordination, poor motor control, and potentially some pinching and pain. Uh, we take it one step further and say the muscles that surround a joint on all sides have to be able to work in concert. That's fine-tuning of movement. Um, you may have heard me harp on concentric activity at Forward KC, and I want to clarify that concentric activity is phenomenal. I love to lift up weights with concentric activity. I love to sprint and get good concentric activity of my glutes. But what I'm concerned with is when somebody needs stabilization of their torso through movements of, let's say, walking or dancing, and all they know how to do is concentric clenching, then you've got a robot You've got somebody that hasn't figured out how to move yet. You've got somebody that's going to overload their body and is going to lock down the periphery. So the goal is not to eliminate concentric activity. The goal is to balance that concentric activity with really good control of eccentric lengthening. We want full motor output, not just focused partial motor output. So you're a fan of, quote, working the negatives at the gym? Uh, we, you could say that, yeah, but we're all about movements. We'd go to the gym and say, we're going to, we're going to work a push and a pull and a squat. Uh, and in those movements, if they're coached well and done well, you're going to get all of the, the fine details in them. I got another one or two questions. Um, if I didn't know much about rehab, I was like, you know, I passed the class, but I didn't really care. But man, all of a sudden I do care. I'm more into like evidence-based now. Do they need to take any classes or read a book? before they come to yours so that they just are at least prepared for the things that you're going to refer to? 
Uh, no, they don't. Um, however, there are books that I would recommend if somebody's interested. Um, we, especially our performance classes, we bring people in as beginners and we try to let them go as intermediate. And then as you keep on going, you start as an intermediate and leave as, as an expert. Uh, for all of our classes, we have a minimum of four hours of pre-study that's sent to you. There are videos that I've recorded that gives you the prerequisite knowledge to begin a class. Oh, that's so nice. That's, yeah, it's pre-recorded. You can watch it. You get it uh, two weeks to four weeks ahead of time. Watch it at your own leisure. Go over it a couple times so that you're, you're hitting the ground running when it comes to course day. Because we're going to give you a lot of info. Uh, but we want you just to have a basic idea of why and, and what we're trying to accomplish with it. But I challenge you, Doc. I, I'd say uh, anybody in manual medicine is a rehab doc. You may just be using a specific or isolated slice of rehab. So if you are an adjustment-only doc, you are doing joint rehab with mechanical <laughs> stimulus, right? You're an expert in improving mechanotransduction of the joints. That's a slice of rehab. We just want to fill out the rest of that pie for you. Yeah. Before we, we, we move on, when we're looking at time-wise in the office, oh, some, some techniques, people think I've got an hour to spend with each patient. And reality, especially if you take insurance, a lot of places I was at in Colorado, you get $40. You can adjust them and make mm -hmm. 40, or you could do three units of rehab. You're still getting 40. So there's not a lot of encouragement to make me want to do more rehab. Um, sure. So what I was gathering is you got to do a little, do an eval, then you got to teach them something, and then you probably got to teach them some home exercises. So what kind of time frame are we looking at per patient? Uh, is it a lot of it in-house? Do they do a lot of stuff at their home instead? What's that look like? Well, there's some variable to it. Um, Ultimately, I'd, I'd say, you know, it's hard to be both the Walmart and the Whole Foods. Mm -hmm. you, you can't you can't be both and pull it off. Okay. You're going to get your clientele mixed up. Um, and and if somebody has a chronic or complex presentation, um, they're they're probably not looking for the the quick. Let me try this one thing out type of fix. They're they're trying to say, hey, can anybody solve this? I want my life back. And so. It, to position ourselves to do that well, we do need more time. I spend a lot of time in my exam. A short exam for me is 45 minutes for a new patient. Okay. A long exam is 60 to 75 minutes, rarely the 75. But when we're talking about something that a patient suffered with for longer than I've been in practice, they deserve an extra 15 minutes of an exam for me to figure that out. So our, our, personally, my first sessions are 45 to 60 minutes. I have some colleagues that are, do a first exam in 20 to 40 minutes just based on their more acute presentation. I'd say when I get thrown a softball, like uh, acute low back pain or acute knee pain, I could probably complete that exam in a, in a couple minutes as well. It's just based on my population, I'm a 45 to 60 minute guy. My treatment plans, uh, if the person has a competent body that's capable of healing and that we're not going to overload, I like to spend 30 minutes with them and their treatment. That 30 minutes would be mobilization of what needs to be mobilized. It would be education of the exercises that they need to do at home, including the dosing. And it would be fatiguing their system in office to drive a bigger change uh, in office. 
And it, we always make sure we have at least five minutes to discuss fears, anxieties, and motivations going forward as it's a big part of recovery. I so that's a big one. Yeah, absolutely. So I'd say we're positioned for the 20 to 30 minute visit and the 40 to 60 minute exam. Let's say you don't have that. Um, you mentioned the $40 visit. If we extrapolate that out, let's say a $40, $40 visit's worth, what, 15 minutes? What yeah. do you think? Yeah. So that would make your hour $160? Okay. Okay. So if $160 an hour is a reasonable fee, then you've got 15 minutes a patient. If that's not a reasonable fee, then you need to get an a, assistant in to help you to see more patients where you're doing part of it, maybe the diagnosis and the clinical level manipulation, and they are following up with the remainder of your treatment. Um, but in 15 minutes, what would I do with a patient in 15 minutes? I would bring them in ready to go with my diagnosis known. Instead of tackling four big movement deficits, I would tackle two movement deficits. I would mobilize the spine. I would do Two, two points times two minutes of maybe fascial manipulation. So now we're at six minutes total, and that would leave me the following six to eight minutes to educate them on the rehab to do at home. And we would, we would just focus on picking one or two deficits, and then at re-exam, we'd choose the next one or two instead of my current model where I'll tackle three or four deficits at a single time. Okay. Well, that's, that's important though, right? I mean, everything's business as well, and if they don't, you know, we already said it. So you could hire like a personal trainer? Uh, it de- depends on your practice. What I use in my practice is an athletic trainer who is very good. And he has a license to do tissue treatment. He has a license to triage patients. Uh, and he has a license and experience to rehab. And I think he's phenomenal. Our practice wouldn't run nearly as well without him. Um, But I spend a lot of time just educating him to be really good at everything that requires his look and his touch on. And so he can he can run the majority of the case for me after examination. Now, not everybody's going to have the luxury of having a really good athletic trainer and being able to pay them in their area. And so a personal trainer could run some of the rehab, some of the basic exercises under your supervision. And a massage therapist could run some of the tissue treatments under your supervision, but you'd have to be committed to training them. Uh, Our performance classes in GRIP are really good for that, to bring somebody who you want to be your assistant, take the class together, learn the system, and kind of divvy up who's going to do what. Okay. That makes good sense. And I've seen people have to sign like a contract. Like if I'm going to invest this much time and money into someone like this, I can't just have them leave in three months. Obviously, if they're no good, yeah, that's one thing. But that's tough. Yeah. I mean, we had, we had that more, more than a few times. Yeah. But we, we found a nice fix for it. Okay. Ah, my, my example was from a, uh, a mechanic. It was a diesel truck mechanic. He'd pay to get him trained. And then like within three or four months, they would leave. And he's like, no, <laughs> how much money yeah. I just wasted. So he's like, nope, you're signing a contract. You work it for me for a year. So yeah, <laughs> I, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll put this idea out there uh, and attribute it to uh, Josh Satterley, who runs the Clinic Gym Hybrid. Yeah, He's a big proponent of education as well. And I told him I have the same problem. I have all these people that want to come to my clinic and work with me. And once they learn my system, they leave and they start somewhere else. And that was both exciting and frustrating. It was exciting for one reason. Remember what I said our mission was? We want to 
eradicate chronic pain in Chicago, but then globally. So every time somebody learned our system and split before they gave me the value that um, I was hoping to get from them, I kind of had this nice thought of, oh, they're going to take this and they're going to help a lot of people wherever they're at. So I was happy about that. <laughs> but ultimately, I have a business to run as well. <laughs> no! <laughs> so, uh, that could be a little disappointing. So uh, Josh had this great idea of um, decide how long you want to work together. Uh, in my uh, current arrangement, we, we both sides committed to three years. And my end of that commitment is providing X number of dollars of education to that individual. And their commitment is to stay the three years and use the education in our business. And if they depart before that, they have to reimburse me for the education expenses that I put into them. So that's kind of the sticking point on it. Ah, See, I'm glad we talked and about that. It's, I, I find I feel that it's fair, and I think our staff finds that it's fair too. They get a lot more education paid for than any position they've had before, and all they have to do is stick around and bring some value back into the office, which they're doing a good job of. That's perfect. Great, great. Hey, what are you finding that doctors who take your seminars and they're really gung-ho, of course, that first month, and then reality hits in, and they're like, oh, doc, what about this? What about that? What's something that we can expect to be like struggle with or need to to refocus on? You know, there there's beauty and simplicity here. The complex part of our system is that it's comprehensive. It covers the whole body head to toe. That's the complex part. But outside of that, it is a very simple three-step process of assess, global reset exercise, and TSI targeted structural intervention. And then retest. So no matter how complex we get by being comprehensive, it always falls back to the same simple three steps. So uh, I occasionally get a question, you know, docs call in and they say, I've got this case. This is what's happening. And I pretty simply go back and said, okay, tell me which functional range of motion Ephraim test you looked at. And I'll say, yeah, I was kind of light at examining this area. Let me get that data and I'll get back to you. We say, okay, we're going to look at this person, this power lifter that's having uh, L5 disc issue, and and we've just identified, as you did your thorough testing, that they're lacking hip antimotion, pelvic retromotion, and right lumbar lateral motion. Well, let's get those components back on track first and then see how everything improves. So I think usually when I talk with attendees a few months or a year after they take a class, we just go back to the same simple points of the course. And when you double down on the key details that make every human work, uh, the answer kind of reveals itself to you by using the system. So we typically don't have these big frustrating moments in my experience so far. There are exceptions. There are cases that don't behave the way science says they should behave. I love those cases. <laughs> those, those are the cases that keep you up at night excited to find an option. Uh, for me, yeah. but not for everybody. Right? <laughs> and so when those cases come up, uh, you, we have an option on my webpage, uh, www.gripapproach.com. There's a tab on the top that says consultations. And you have an option to book a 30 or 60 minute consultation with me. That can be a video conference from doctor to doctor, or you can mention this to your patient and pass the fee on to them and say, there's this doctor in Chicago that specializes in chronic and complex cases. He's agreed to do a one-hour session with the two of us. 
you have an iPad, you record them doing the movements. I may, on my end, have my assistant demonstrate the movements, and then you repeat it on your side. And we solve those cases, and we give you some clean rehab to do. So we do have that follow-up consultation. So we're not going to leave you high and dry. We want you to find in this system the answers that that you had been seeking for a long time. And we don't want to make it hard for you to get those answers. Let's say you've been a practice for a while, and you've niched down into, say, uh, low back pain and headaches, you know, chiropractic bread yeah. and butter. I'm, you know, I don't really care about elbow pain. I don't care about knee pain. Can we take this course and do more with what we already specialize in? Or do you, are you end up having to learn a little bit more about all this other stuff that you really don't want to implement in your practice? Like a knee, I'm out the door. Yeah, we're going to give you the whole system. Okay. So, you know, it's what's a good way to think about this? If you've got if you really like the Lord of the Rings trilogy, but you especially like book number two. I'm still going to sell you the three-part books. I think the story is best if you know the beginning and the end. Right. But the the second book is going to be in there. You can go to that second book as many times as you want and read that second book. So when we go through the classes, I'm going to give you the whole system so you can look head to toe. But I'm also going to say if you're if you're the headache guy, double star this one. This one comes up all the time in my headache cases, and you'll leave and say, okay. These are the 20 movements he said double star for my my particular population. I'm going to start testing these on every one of these cases and get some consistent data. So you'll get you'll get more than you need, but eventually you'll want to say, "Hey, maybe I do have to look at the thoracic spine for this low back pain patient, or maybe I do have to look at the ankle for this patient." And you'll have a quick encyclopedic reference for that. Perfect. Trying to answer all the questions that people would have. Like, uh, I just, yeah, I'm just excited about it because I, I, I yeah. want to go to your one in Taiwan. Yes, that's right. I yeah. live in China. I'm going to fly to Taiwan. It's a lot cheaper. It's a good dim sum. Than going back to America. So it'll be fun. Um, I want to switch gears just a little bit, a little personal. You just had a kid. Congratulations. Thank you. You too. Yeah, man. Hey, mine just rolled over. No way. How old is she? About five. Five. Months. Okay, that's good. Yeah, five, we typically see babies rolling from their belly to their side or their back to their side. That's that's great. Yeah. We woke up, you know, this morning and the kid was completely 90 degrees opposite of what we put her this morning. I was like, no Uh-oh. wonder she's crying. Like, what are you doing, kid? <laughs> that's <laughs> getting sleep. exciting, huh? <laughs> yeah, it's fun. So <laughs> anyway, um, happy Valentine's Day. That's when we're recording it. So when it comes out, people will be like, well, that's a while back. <laughs> Well, and for everybody else that's listening, uh, uh, happy St. Patty's Day. <laughs> exactly. Yay, double covered. <laughs> um, you got a family. How are you able to do all of this stuff and still have a good marriage? Uh, very patient wife. Okay. <laughs> uh, no, you know, here's here's the thing. Uh, I love this stuff. I, I, I don't I don't view it as work for the most part. Uh, I view it as fun. I view it as hobby uh, and an interest that's uh, really deep for me. Um, I feel very blessed and fortunate to be in a career that I love and that I'm motivated to to keep in. And I like it more than television, so I don't watch a lot of TV. I think I've tried to minimize things in my life that take a lot of time but don't add value, and that has maximized the amount of time I can spend on things that do add value, like spending time with family studying a complex case or cooking a nice dinner. Hey, you made a comment about some kind of books earlier. You have any that are 
Not required reading for grip, but just sure. required reading as a human uh, being and a doctor? Yeah, so there's some good ones. Uh, if you're just getting into rehab, a really good rehab overview book uh, is from one of my mentors, uh, Professor Collage from uh, Prague. It's called Clinical Rehabilitation uh, by Collage, K O L A R, Collage et al., I believe. Um, Clinical Rehabilitation should be a dark blue book. That one is a great overview of a lot of different techniques. Uh, it's got a few good chapters on DNS, which is a big part of my background. Uh, outside of that, one of the best biomechanical books. Let's see if I have it with me here. Ah, I do. I think this is one of the best biomechanical books written by a chiropractor. It's called Foot Orthoses and Other Forms of Conservative Foot Care by Thomas Michaud. He had a follow-up to this book, which is Human Locomotion, The Conservative Management of Gait-Related Disorders, both books by Thomas Michaud. Uh, he's a chiropractor out of Connecticut, I believe. The reason I like these books is it goes from the foot up and from the hip down a very clean and extremely detailed discussion of what has to happen biomechanically from joint to joint. And that can easily be extrapolated up the chain into the lumbar spine, thoracic spine, shoulder, neck, and upper limbs. So I think it, it gives a really good framework for how to think about the body and in its mechanical properties. Hmm. Uh, finally, I would recommend Michael Shacklock's test, uh, text, which I can't recall the title off offhand, and I don't have it on my desk right now. But Michael Shacklock has a, a great book uh, through Neurodynamic Solutions. It might just be Mobilization uh, of the Nervous System, although that could be the Butler text. Uh, but Michael Shacklock's book is another great resource for understanding how sensitization of the peripheral nervous system can affect motor control and movement capacity. Okay. And last but not least, a fun ending to everything. Any favorite phone apps or blogs or things that you just uh, are finding yourselves gravitating towards? Could be anything. Yeah. Not I, Candy Crush. I have one one app that I like a lot uh, that's medical related that uh, I think just does a great job. It's called Essential Anatomy 5. And it's a good, like, 3D peel back or peel through of the body. You can add structures and remove structures. And it's a great, fun app to just dive into and say, hey, I, I want to learn about this new artery today. And I want, I want to look at the way this artery courses from the heart down to the right arm. You can do that in this app. So I like that one a lot. Uh, in terms of fun apps, I'm just swiping through my phone right now. I don't have a whole lot of fun stuff on here, unfortunately. <sighs> Come on, Doc. But I've got this cool <laughs> new baby app called Glow Baby that we record nursing and diaper times in. That's helpful. Really? Oh, yeah. It's a good one. <laughs> Glow, baby? Glow Baby? Glow <laughs> Baby. Uh, <laughs> you can see I'm typing that one. <laughs> what is this? <laughs> yeah. Uh -oh. Yeah. No, other than that, I, I think Perfect. I'm not technology-based outside of what I need it for. No problem. And, of course, websites – What's what? Do, how do we get in touch with you and whatever the plug that you may have? Yeah, sure. Uh, websites uh, on Facebook. Look up Grip Approach. There are also branches of that in Taiwan, Korea, and Japan that you can find. 
Grip Approach on Facebook, also Grip Approach on Instagram. And our website is www.gripapproach.com. You can contact me on uh, Facebook. My personal Facebook is uh, Benjamin Fergus. Uh, you'll see me there in a, a blue suit coat and probably a red tie looking to the left of your screen. <laughs> and uh, I, I'm pretty responsive there. Otherwise, there's a contact page on the website, uh, and we respond to those emails usually within five or so days. If you are interested in setting up a consultation for yourself or for a patient, um, they're a pretty valuable resource. Even if you don't know the system, I can walk you or your patient through an examination uh, and give you some really good feedback. That's in the consultation portion of our website. In terms of upcoming classes, look, we're, we're currently trying to keep our schedule more compact to 10 to 15 classes a year. So a little less spread out, uh, hopefully more meaningful local classes. So our 2019 schedule is up and we're currently planning our 2020 schedule. All right. Dr. Fergus, I really appreciate you being on the show, answering all these fun questions. And uh, definitely we'll have a show note page dedicated to you. And then whenever it comes out, you can... Uh, Spread it however you want. So I um, really appreciate you just diving into the system and answering all the questions that I might have, which I would assume other people would have as well. Thanks for asking great questions. It's been fun. Well, that wraps up another episode. If you can, send me a review. That's .net slash subscribe. Apple, Google, Stitcher, Android devices. You just click that button. It'll take you exactly to the page you need to. You can write a review, hopefully a five-star review. Like I said, it does help for other people to discover what we're doing here. And one thing I haven't really talked about too much is the doctorsperspective.net slash support page. If you want to host a cup of coffee, go for it. If you want to pledge a little higher fee, there's buttons for that. There's even monthly recurring. For those who feel like, wow, this is like the cheapest mentor coach program I've ever seen because you interview so many different kinds of doctors and, and I've been able to implement things that I've heard and it works. So monthly recurring payments, which also can get you my books for free, t-shirts for free. Uh, the first book, you know, that deals with health and exercise, getting on a diet, getting your financial health in order as well. Things of learned in China. You know, that book is available as well. And one thing that I don't have, I don't have like a, a full blown page about coaching and things, but there's a little button there. I've had people request, hey, doctors and non-doctors asking me, can I do more than just answer a couple of questions or could you be my coach for a little while? And I say, yeah, we can do that. So it's something I haven't really advertised, but it's something that I can do and do, whether it's marketing, some strategies for new patients, growth, those types of topics. If you're interested, just email me, justin at a doctorsperspective.net. If you have any ideas for guests, please send me an email, justin at a doctorsperspective.net. I'd love to hear who you think would be good or a profession that you may not have heard yet. And we've got over 100 episodes. This is going to be like our third year. Super excited. We're going to have a little mini series like we've been doing, which has been fun. Hope you've enjoyed them as well. That's, that's the feedback I've gotten. I want to remind everybody that we have some great affiliate links available. If you're into instrument-assisted soft tissue manipulation, we've got the Edge tool and we've got the Hawk Grips. Saves you about 10%. Also with the edge, you've got the uh, like blood pressure cuff restriction system. You've got the G Suite inexpensive EMR in case you'd like doing cash practice. And of course, I got my own electric acupuncture pin to go with the no needle acupuncture book. From time to time, you know, I'll have a bundle set where you can get them all together for a great price. I also have the free downloads at doctorsperspective.net slash blueprints. And what lately I've been doing is substituting a fifth one, like I've done a knee. And depending on the guest, I might do a different type. So check back there. 
You've got the Primal Paleo grass-fed protein, bone broth style. Save 10% on that. No sugar, allergy-free, gluten-free, dairy-free, all those types of things. Mentor box, get taught by the author. We got set for set for those floss bands that you may have heard about on one of the episodes. I really like those. If you want to know what hosting I use for podcasting, it's Blueberry. Pure VPN, that's one of those ones I use to help keep my payments secure as well as access the internet more safely. Any Amazon products that you might want, click the link in the show notes pages. So all those resources can be found at doctorsperspective.net slash resources. There's also t-shirts at .net slash t-shirts. Put up some new designs from time to time, like making lemons out of lemonade, shrimp po' boy, plus all the chiropractic and podcast swag that you could want. As always, listen, critically think, and implement. Have a great week. We just went hashtag behind the curtain. I hope you will listen and integrate what some of these guests have said. By all means, please share across your social media, write a review, and if you go to the show notes page, you can find all the references for today's guest. You've been listening to Dr. Justin Trostclair, giving you a doctor's perspective.